You're listening to Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. I'm your host, Chloe Puff. Well, I have a very special guest with me today. I have the pleasure of interviewing Joanna Paul, who just happens to be an awesome sleep expert just for your littles. Joanna, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear. And you know what? I really wish um, that my kids were back in the baby stage just so I could benefit from this podcast. (laughs) Although I don't miss the sleepless nights. I'm sure I'm sure you get that a lot from parents. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I would love to formally introduce you um, to those of you who are listening right now. So Joanna is a pediatric sleep consultant, and she works with families that have children that are between zero and four. Um, She's a mama. And I would love, actually, Joanna, I would love for you to tell the audience directly kind of how you got into this um, line of work. Yeah, of course. So I have a toddler now, but when he was born a few years ago, um, the sleep deprivation hit me like a truck. Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> everyone ex- says, you know, expect the newborn days to be hard. So that was okay. But when I had to go back to work um, in three months, um, that's when the four month regression hit. Um, and it was so hard to function, you know, on, you know, he was waking up every 45 minutes to an hour at night. Yeah. I had to go to work the next day, um, you know, and function as a fully functional adult without eight hours of sleeps. And that wasn't possible at all. So, um, you know, I was, I was wondering, you know, how, how do all these people on Instagram say that my baby slept 12 hours in 12 weeks? And that just didn't seem possible. To me. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, That's too good to be true. Yeah, that is way too good to be true. So. Um, I'm very data driven and, you know, research driven. So I was like, I need to dive into this. And I dove into the world of sleep consulting, which was totally new to me. Uh, Never heard of it before until I had my baby. Um, And I realized there's so much more than just the sleep training techniques. It's, you know, setting up a good schedule and a routine during the day. Um, you know, making sure that he's able to go to sleep independently and not, you know, being rocked to sleep or fed to sleep and things like that. So I kind of understood all the nuances. I sleep trained my son around seven to eight months, and it was relatively um, simple once you got the pieces in place. Um, You know, a lot of people struggle with sleep training because that's the first thing they do. They don't realize that you need to put in a good schedule in place, a good sleep environment, um, and think and make sure that you know they were napping correctly during the day and things like that. So um, once I kind of got the puzzle pieces in place, it was relatively uh, simple, and I was able to enjoy eight hours of sleep. It was awesome. Oh, I felt man. like every mom needs this. You know, everyone needs to go. <clears throat> excuse me, go back to work and you know take care of their other kids, and you know we all need sleep to function. So. It's so important. So that's why I kind of set out on this path to kind of help moms. And it's my passion. And, and you know, when they are able to finally get a good night's of rest, it's such a world of change for them. So it oh, gives yeah. me passion for them. Yeah. Well, and it's not just a win for them, for the baby, obviously, to get, yeah. you know, better quality sleep, but also just for the mom to have that peace of mind that their child is sleeping, they're well rested, they're growing, they're functioning. And also, honestly, I think just for like, you know, a mom's mental health, to exactly. not have to dread like, okay, another day where I didn't get any deep sleep, I don't feel rested at all. It can really send you kind of over the edge. I know that's, exactly. and I was, when I was in that stage, I had, um, my son was very colicky. 
he wasn't sleeping. He was crying during the day. And I was also struggling with severe postpartum depression. That was a terrible combination. So man, that's crazy. Well, I'm so glad that you're filling that space. I'm curious, do you own your, do you own your own business or do you, do you work under somebody? Yeah. So I own my own business. It's called Sleepy Little Nugget. Um, I work one-on-one with families um, uh, to, you know, I understand their situation, the the nuances, you know, they might have multiple kids, they might have a really hectic work schedule, they might have a schedule for the, for the baby, you know, a lot of people like to join them in classes and things like that. And I try to work around it so that we get the baby, the, the sleep that they need, as well as the parents, um, so that the whole house is, you know, happy and functioning well, because when you don't when you don't have sleep everyone's just short with each other and it can you know really be hard on everyone so I kind of work one-on-one that's a format I prefer right now because it helps me understand you know the temperament of the baby and the temperament of the parents and I take everything into account when creating a sleep plan for them yeah well and I think that's something that I wish more people understood the need for um just we'll just put it under the umbrella of coaching in general, because like I really, ideally it's not your life doesn't exist in this one size fits all type of thing, whether it's in your fitness, whether it's in your sleep hygiene, like literally all of these things, when it comes to your life and your like necessary functions, Mm -hmm. it's important for a professional to be able to help see those things in the bigger picture And to be able to structure something around your specific needs versus you trying to fit your needs into this like laid out situation. It just, it hardly ever works. And I think, you know, there's great sleep tips and whatnot online, but until you really get, like you said, you know, to dive deep into the nuances of, you know, the day-to-day schedule, there's really not a whole lot you can do or not a whole lot of benefit that you might be able to see. Yeah, and I love that you said that, you know, um, under the coaching umbrella, because sleep consultants are not mainstream yet. And it's my hope that they are, because it's so important for everyone. And I hope that we start becoming more, uh, you know, mainstream, like personal trainers or lactation consultants. And yeah, um, we are a tool to help a mom, you know, navigate motherhood. So and I hope that, you know, uh, with, you know, things like this podcast that people start being aware that, you know, you can reach out for help that, you know, you don't just have to um, sift through Google in the middle of the night and wonder what am I supposed to do with all these bits of information that you're coming across or read, read a book from Amazon and then wonder, you know, it's not working for my baby. What's wrong? Um, yeah. So there is help out there. So I hope everyone, you know, finds uh, finds it and their means to kind of reach out and uh, find out how to f- help themselves. Yeah. Well, and I, I find a lot of times, um, especially with moms, just kind of the the programming, this operating system that, you know, society tells us that we need to just get it done. We can't really rely on any extra help because the village concept doesn't really exist in this, you know, in this timeline, I guess, in this generation. Um, And so it can be really difficult to identify the need for help. And not only that, but just having to ask for help, because sometimes, like, I know for me, I feel like sometimes I'll just take over a task, even though I know that I would rather like, you know, give that task to another family member or outsource the help. But, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, if you want something done right, you just got to do it yourself. And then you start going down the Google spiral 
And like you said, I mean, it's really not going to do anything for you because it's, you're just, you are right in the middle of it. Yeah. And, you know, I used to say um, when I was coaching dancers and, you know, they couldn't really identify their own um, areas where they needed improvement and change. And, you know, they weren't as self-aware, I would say, well, it's because it's very hard to see, you know, a hole in the back of your t-shirt. If you're wearing it, you have to have somebody kind of in that outside perspective to look in and say, here are, here are the issues and here's, here's where we can improve. So can you tell me more, um, more about like, what are some of these common issues that, you know, might be kind of a red flag for a mom to reach out for help? Yeah. So if your baby, uh, you know, past the newborn stage, um, past four or five months is waking up every 45 minutes to an hour at night, then something needs to change because that is not sustainable. Um, and I'm not even talking about night feeds. Uh, it's normal to have night feeds. You know, it's I, I never tell families that you need to night wean to sleep train. They can keep feeds up to 18 months if they want um, or even two years like uh, the CDC recommends now. But uh, what they need to do is find something that's sustainable for them. If, you know, waking up every couple of hours uh, is sustainable to you, that's great. You don't need to kind of walk down the sleep training path and that's fine. Um, you know, they should never feel pressurized by online mom groups and stuff to sleep yeah. train. Their situation is working for them. But if your situation is not working for you, you're exhausted, you're unable yeah. to parent, you're unable to work, um, then you know, definitely reach out to help. So, you know, waking up multiple times in the night doesn't matter the number of feeds. You can keep as many feeds as you want. But if they're feeding every 45 minutes to an hour, uh, I think even a lactation consultant will tell you that they're just using you for soothing or a bottle to soothe at yeah. that point. So that's that's a number one red flag. If they're always being cranky um, during the day, you know, rubbing their eyes, wanting to sleep, but unable to sleep. That's another uh, red flag where they're probably overtired because they're waking up so many right. times in the night. Um, so their sleep is broken. Your sleep is broken. Um, so everyone is kind of, you know, cranky and, you know, short with each other. That's another red flag. Um, if you're you know, going into the toddler ages, you know, if, if your child is closer to 18 months, two years, um, and still waking up every few hours, that's definitely a red flag where probably a schedule or a behavioral issue needs to be fixed. Um, and a lot of times it's just a good routine and a good, you know, setting boundaries with toddlers, which can be hard. And I can help yeah. with strategies with that as well. So every age comes with different challenges. Um, it's just how do we handle those challenges? That's awesome. So I, I'm curious about the toddler sleep. So how, how often do people come to you for their older children to be able to get better acquainted to their sleep schedule? You know, surprisingly a lot. So, you know, and these would be parents who may not have sleep trained at a younger age. They mm -hmm. might be co-sleeping. Um, and there's nothing wrong with all that. It's just that once they become a toddler, they start to push boundaries. You know, they're like, hey, I want to get up and play or I want I want to go down to eat. Um, you know, they start pushing one more kiss. Good night, mom. One more yeah, kiss. Yeah, exactly. Um, or I have something to tell you. Let's 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 do a story. Let's do another book. They start pushing yeah. boundaries um, and then, you know, bedtime becomes too late. So then they become overtired and then they wake up more at night, you know, calling out, hey, uh, you know, come get me. I want one more kiss, like you said, yeah. or I'm afraid of the dark. Um, things like that, um, you know, working through those issues. And sometimes they really are afraid of the dark. So, you know, I'll give you strategies on how to, um, you know, combat that. 
Um, or sometimes it's just a scheduling problem. You know, they may not be napping enough during the day or they're napping too much during the day. So they're just not sleepy at night. And then they end up going to bed at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, which kind of spirals into <laughs> lower sleep in the, in you yes. know during the night. And then, you know, they're, they're overtired when they wake up and then, they, you know, it just becomes a mess. So, you know, kind of getting a good routine and schedule in place. And sometimes, you know, it's just understanding where the boundary is. You know, if we say two books during bedtime, it's two books, uh, you know, and not six books. Um, and then, uh, you know, understanding that they have to stay in their room especially the crib to uh, toddler bed transition can be hard for a lot of families. Yes, um, I remember that stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, understand, you know, giving them strategies on how to work through that or maybe trying to get siblings to room share. Um, one might wake up the other one and then, you know, everyone's up for two, three hours of the night. Yep, that's literally my experience. We, um, in our old house, we had only like, you know, 800 square feet and we had the kids um, in a bunk bed. And at that time, my son was only like two years old and he was excited yeah. about his big boy bed. And I was like, you know what? If I could keep you in the crib, I would, but you're yeah. already crawling out, you know, whatever. We're just going to get rid of the crib. We'll get you guys some bunk beds. And, uh, you know, then of course, Sissy's so excited because she's on the top bed. <laughs> so she's leaning over the edge and she's like, hi, brother, wake up, let's go play. And then, yeah. you know, I go in there at 11 p.m. because I hear <laughs> and they're both playing in the top bunk. But luckily yeah. they have their own rooms now. But I mean, I know not a lot of people have that luxury. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, and I think it's great for sibling bonds to um, share a room. But however, they, everyone needs their sleep. So, you know, kind of using some social stories some strategies some role play things like that to help make bedtime fun and sleep fun and things like that so that they're more motivated to stay asleep yeah um and it's you know initially when you start out room sharing yeah a couple of days might be over exciting for them yeah. but it shouldn't go past like one or two weeks it shouldn't be a daily occurrence so things like that those yeah. are the toddler struggles yeah so i'm curious um one tool that i use and i'm i've feel I'm, I'm scared to ask this question because I'm I'm afraid that the answer is not what I want to hear <laughs> so one thing that um I've been using on occasion because it just helps everybody after we've had like a big weekend or like mm -hmm. an exciting day where they're at the point where they're overtired and they are so just just teary and won't go to sleep even though they're older um we use kids melatonin sometimes what are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that so I think that needs to be run by a pediatrician. Uh, it's not my first thing, go-to right. uh, item to, you know, suggest to a family. Um, and since it's a hormone, we need to be especially careful with that. So unless you're running it by a pediatrician, I wouldn't say, I know it's easy to get over the counter and stuff, Oh yeah, uh, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I know a lot of parents are like I just need to sleep I need my kids to sleep yeah. this is what I'm going to reach for but I would suggest caution because it's a hormone um, and just to check in with your pediatrician especially about the dosage um, yeah. so if your pediatrician is okay with that then you know you can use it as probably a stopgap solution like you said you know when you have like an exciting day or something but if it's something that needs regular usage like they're unable to sleep every single day right without it then you know something needs to be changed um, something needs to be checked in with especially with the doctors yeah. there are professional medical sleep clinics where they can do sleep studies and kind of figure out what's going on where they you know put electrodes on on the head and kind of check brainwave activity and find out what's going on so i would say as a stopgap solution with a doctor's approval it's okay 
but I don't think it should be necessary every day, um, yeah. especially for young kids. Well, good. I that that was a good answer for me. Anyway, I'm like, woo. Okay, good. I did. I did. The, I did the right steps. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is too that they oftentimes they'll be like, I want a sleepy gummy, and I'm like, not today. It's already really late. Like, you know, you yeah. should be able to just go to sleep. And you know, so sometimes it's a challenge. But yeah. like you said, I think I think using it as a at least for us in our house, it works for us as kind of that tool yeah. in case of emergencies. You know. Or we're like, we used it um, when we were traveling. Um, we had a road trip. We had them sleeping in a camper and uh, they needed a little extra help because <laughs> they were like, ooh, new environment. So crazy. That's awesome. So then tell me, I'm curious, um, just speaking of like supplements, as, in terms of like nutrition, do you deal with like looking at that too? Like how is the child's nutrition during the day? Do you think that that impacts sleep as well? And is that something that you focus on? Oh, for sure. So as babies, we want to make sure that they're getting full feeds during the day um, and they're not searching for those calories at night. So if your baby is just snacking two, three minutes on a bottle or a breast, you know, um, and then wanting to do full 10 minute, 15 minute feeds at night, then, you know, they're reverse cycling. They're looking for calories at night and just snacking during the day. So that's why they're waking up at night. So we'd need to move and ensure we have a good feeding schedule during the day, which I will help them with. And also if they're having like supply issues or something, then I would ask them to talk to their lactation consultant um, to talk about how they can improve their supply during the day. Um, but yeah, the nutrition is a big part of it. Um, and as we go into toddlerhood, we want to make sure that, you know, they're eating good fulfilling meals as well um, and not you know using that as an excuse to say hey uh, I want to go down and eat or right. can you bring me a snack you know then we would inc incorporate a bedtime snack um, such as a something boring like a banana um, for example or, or just peanut butter on toast um, while you're doing your books so if they they didn't eat well then I would say you know incorporate a bedtime snack just to ensure that they're full um, and then a lot of toddlers especially once you potty train them um, you know they start drinking a lot of water at night and then start yes. getting fed and things like that so you know I would say let's cut off fluids like one hour before bed and yeah. make sure that they go twice during the routine to you know double void and things like that making sure that we tackle every single thing that could be happening that's kind of throwing off their sleep um, in terms of supplements and stuff uh, I do check in with them if they're using vitamins or not uh, and you know if they're you know if everything is falling right the schedule seems good they're eating well during the day and they're still unable to sleep I would just ask them to check in with their pediatrician um, to make sure their blood work you know things like iron and magnesium can oh, help yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, with sleep. And if you're deficient in that, it kind of, you know, can throw off sleep as well. So I always ask them to check in with their pediatrician to do some blood work if necessary. It's pretty rare because most parents are pretty good about, uh, you know, balanced diets and giving them, you know, the vitamins and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, that makes me that makes me happy to hear that <laughs> that from your experience that most parents are doing a pretty good job at least feeding, making sure that their children have well balanced yeah. meals. <laughs> and then I'm I'm over here on the other hand making sure that the mom is also <laughs> eating balanced <laughs> meals and, yeah, and doing yeah. all that because yeah, sometimes we a lot of times the mom forgets about themselves, you know, and you know yeah. it's, it's important to have both sides there. So it's oh good. yeah, well, and yeah. I I feel like also if you're taking care of yourself as the mom. It's 
it's much easier to, to properly, you know, help your child have the right sustenance, be active Mm -hmm. during the day. And so they're not as wired during the night because they were just sitting or, you know, laying down or whatever all day. So, well, it's good to hear that we work so well in tandem together. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious too. Um, now what if, what if, and I'm saying this as an example, I had a client actually, um, last year who all three of her children had severe sleep issues and she seemed to do like every, it seemed to me, at least I'm not the sleep expert, but she was doing everything right. She was, you know, making sure they were active with her and, you know, her, her oldest would be like doing the workouts with her and having fun. And, you know, baby would be doing plenty of tummy time and she was nursing and doing all the things. Um, and they still went to like several, um, sleep specialists. Have you seen, um, any sort of pattern in like, is there like a genetic predisposition to sleeping well or having poor sleep? Because it seemed for her that she got really unlucky with all three of her kids in, in terms of their sleep. Yeah, I think this there definitely must be because like insomnia in adults can definitely, you know, manifest in children as well. Um, and that's why things like melatonin, like you said, exist, right? Why people want to use that on a daily basis. And um, and a lot of it has to do with temperament as well. And temperament can be genetic as well. You know, some people some kids just don't want to sleep. Um, they they want to play all the time and then you know their bodies react with a lot of cortisol because of that, because they're so overtired. Um, And that's another hormone that's going to keep you awake. So yeah, there probably is a genetic, I I think that is, I haven't come across it. So (laughs) I can't for sure say that, but um, you know, um, I feel for that mom because that's hard with three kids. Oh Uh, yeah. That's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily, I mean, it seems, it seems now that her, her kid, um, her oldest kid who had the biggest trouble is the same age as my daughter. And now at this stage, at like, I think he's like age six or seven, he's finally sleeping better, but I'm like six years of sleeplessness (laughs) seems like a lot, man. That's That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I could do it. Sorry to uh, hear that the sleep specialist didn't work either. I know. I think she did like some sleep sp- studies and, you know, did all the, did all the things, but who, who knows? I, yeah. <laughs> I was really just helping her focus on her own health and just kind of strategizing ways to deal with, you know, kids that only napped for 15 minutes and, you know, et cetera, and w- how to work out around that and, you know, yeah. how to work out with baby in her arms to, to get her core work done. So I, I'm curious then, um, I would love to hear, if you're able to provide some basic tips, if there's a mom listening to this and going, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I need, I need all of the tips. Um, granted, you know, obviously at this point, they're just listening to a podcast as an initial resource. Um, with that in mind, before they reach out for a sleep special specialist, what are some things that they could be trying or, or adjusting to help uh, their baby sleep through the night? Sure, that's a great question. So I think some of the building blocks would need to be um, focused on is number one, schedule. We need to make sure that the baby is on a, you know, age appropriate schedule. That is, um, you know, there's wake windows that they follow before each nap. It shouldn't be too long or too short so that they get a good nap in. What what would be just just for reference, what would you say is like an ideal nap time for 
a baby between, I mean, I don't know how you would separate it out, but are there some like guidelines for nap times? Yeah. So, um, every month comes with a different range of awake windows. Now, wake windows are not evidence-based, but they're based on research across a number of babies and studies and everything. And I have a free wake window guide on my website that you can just print out and stick on your refrigerator for every month as your baby gets older. So for example, like a six-month-old would probably need like a two and a half hour wake window before each nap. Um, that's on average. Um, there are high sleep needs and low sleep needs kids as, you know, which could be a little different. But on average, it's about two and a half hours. Um, so, you know, they wake up two and a half hours of playtime, feeding, everything that goes into it, and then nap one, and then two and a half hours, and then nap two, and then, you know, um, two and a half hours, and then bedtime, or nap three if, if they need it, um, and then two and a half hours, and then bedtime. Um, so first thing is getting on a good schedule and that wake window can change, you know, as they become toddlers uh, closer to um, 18 months, that wake window you'll see is increasing to five hours. And as adults, you know, we don't have wake windows because we don't nap during the day. So those right, wake give me some wake windows. I would love to nap during the day. <laughs> so our bodies are constantly changing. So keeping up with those wake windows are super helpful to make sure your baby is not especially overtired. Um, so that's number one. The second one is nutrition, like we talked about, you know, ensuring full feedings during the day, uh, ensuring for toddlers, ensuring that they're eating their breakfast, lunch, snacks, everything well, so that they're not going to bed on an empty stomach. Um, the third thing is independent sleep. And this is where it gets tricky for everyone mm -hmm. because you know, you're rocking them to sleep or you're feeding them to sleep or you're, you know, you know, bouncing on a yoga ball and all sorts of things to help them sleep. But the thing is, when they transition from one sleep cycle to another, they wake everyone wakes up during the transition to sleep cycle, babies, adults, everyone. We are so conditioned to sleep, we never realize when we're waking up from our sleep cycles because we just go back to sleep. But babies being bounced or fed or with a pacifier in their mouth, um, you know, wake up looking for that same way to go back to sleep. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're bouncing them or feeding them, then they'll, they're gonna, they might wake up looking for that. So how do we practice independent sleep is the core of sleep training. Um, and fading out non-sustainable feeding uh, sleeping props to sustainable sleeping props. And what I mean by sustainable sleeping props is, you know, maybe before you put them down in their crib, you're going to put on their white noise, you know, the sleep sack, kind of make a routine out of sustainable ones because they're not going to wake up looking to put on the white noise all the time. The white noise is already on. Right. Um, so um, that's that's the third key. So these three things are really important. Um, the next, uh, the fourth one is the sleep environment, making sure it's conducive for them to sleep. It should be dark. It should be cool enough. It should be warm enough. Um, they shouldn't be uncomfortable in there. Um, the white noise running or, you know, a lot of parents don't like to use white noise, which is fine, but they shouldn't be like external noises filtering in, which could wake the baby up. So these four things I feel are really key to kind of um, tackle when you're looking to improve your sleep. Yeah. So now I have a question just on that fourth <laughs> one. So let's say here's the situation. Let's say there's a newborn and there's like a two or three year old. Mm -hmm. They're sharing a room. Is there a way to condition baby to not wake up if the three year old decides, you know, I'm going to read to myself in bed and <laughs> la, 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 and talking during the night? Is is there any sort of way to kind of I don't know, cushion that. <laughs> yeah. Is there a workaround to that? I'm so curious. 
So I think it's easier to try to condition the toddler rather than the baby. But however, you can put a, a white noise machine in the middle of the two beds if there's enough mm. space um, so that, you know, some of the noise is filtered out. Yeah, um, you, can also, you can also try to partition if it's safe uh, between the two beds. Uh, like, you know, put some heavy drapes or something up, but we have to make sure that it's totally safe, that it's not going to fall on either the toddler or the baby. Right. Um, and uh, that can help cushion the space as well. But I think, you know, if, if you have a toddler, then it's important to condition them as well. Um, and I wouldn't recommend room sharing um, if the baby is having night feeds, uh, because then when you go in to feed the baby, when they wake up, then you're going to wake the toddler up as well. So uh, oh, yeah. I would say the room sharing is better to do when you don't have any night feeds or, or the when the toddler is old enough to understand that he has to you know be quiet and read quietly in his bed. Right. Well, yeah. and so would you recommend then having the crib in like the parents room uh, if they if they don't have an extra room to separate the kids? It, would that be your recommendation? That would be my recommendation um, for the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, anyway, suggests that the uh, baby, babies under six months share a room with their, their parents. So any baby under six months, it's better to be with the parents. Um, and if they don't have room, yes, they can be with the parents. And if you want to sleep train your baby during that time and you feel that you can't be in the room, then I sometimes tell parents, hey, can you camp out in the living room for a couple of days as you sleep train? Um, um, your baby, uh, you know, is it an inconvenience? Yes, but you know, I think the better sleep sometimes is worth it. Um, and a lot of a lot of parents, you know, sleep train in the same room. Um, you know, they put up a partition, or you know, they use uh, tools like the slumber pod and stuff to kind of put that over the child's bed. What's a slumber pod? So it's it's like a little cocoon which goes over the crib. So do they have it for adults? Over. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty amazing uh, device. So uh, it kind of blacks out the 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 environment so the parents can do whatever they want they can watch tv or whatever it is in the same room and the light doesn't filter through um and this can be used in the toddler uh room sharing scenario as well oh. um, you can put a fan and a video monitor in it as well to keep an eye on your baby and you know they just can go to sleep oh my it's gosh portable as well. <laughs> it's portable oh my gosh why didn't i know about this when my kids were young that would have been literally life-changing <laughs> oh my gosh sleep pods y'all if you're listening right now that might be the next uh investment that's amazing yeah oh so now I I want to just go back for a second and get off topic and talk about camping out in the living room I think <laughs> I think that would be a fun opportunity for you to turn that into date night and you know watch movies have popcorn eat some ice cream at 2 a.m if you want and just like have a ball while you have kid-free sleep. <laughs> yep, that would be awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that would be fun. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> so, in terms of let's talk about then like let's talk about travel. Why not? So, let's just say that, you know, you're spending the night somewhere, you know, maybe you're on the road. Do you have any sleep tips for when you're not at home or when, you know, napping at their scheduled time? isn't um, as easily accessible because, you know, you've, you're out and about, whatever the case. I'd love to hear your tips on that. Yeah. So number one, I would say don't stress about it. I know, you know, moms, me included, we stress so much like, oh my gosh, the flight is at the same time as his nap, or, you know, we're starting a car trip, you know, a road trip correctly at that time. But, you know, 
just go with the flow enjoy it it's a few days you can get back on track when you're when you're at home you know it's important to make memories we don't get a lot of opportunities especially with the lockdowns and stuff we've had over the last few years mm-hmm. so go out there enjoy make memories and come back and deal with it um but there are certain things you can do so um if you're taking a flight uh you know try to work it around nap time if possible if not i mean that's fine you can try and make them sleep on the on the plane you know all rules are out the window you can give them a bottle you you know you can you can show you know have screen time you can do whatever it is you want which helps Nurse them sleep. to sleep do all the yeah. things yeah yeah it, it doesn't matter just help them sleep even if they're like a half an hour off or one hour off their nap help them sleep um you know and if they need to sleep in in the morning the next day you know you don't need to go and wake them up at their desired wake time or anything just let them sleep um so that's not that's not a big thing if you're starting a road trip um it's recommended that you stop every 2 hours um to stretch not only uh, your legs but also get the babies uh, and the toddlers out of their car seats you know help them stretch a bit um do a feeding if required for the baby um and if you're starting at night because i know a lot of people like to start in the middle of the night so yeah. that they can get a big stretch of uh, uh the trip done um i would say do your bedtime routine in the car um so change them into their pjs um put them into the car seat read a book put on the white noise snuggle them in with a little blanket and then start going um and if you don't have a portable white noise machine you can just hit the ac um and that 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 the swish noise is pretty much like um white noise Smart. so it, yeah so i would say start around their bedtime 7:30 8:00 at night when they're already sleepy they're going to fall right asleep um in their car seat Wow. That's smart. Yeah. It, well, I wish I wish that last one would have worked for my daughter when we took our trip uh early this spring. It was so funny. She was so excited and had been looking forward to this trip for so so long. She's like 5 years old at the time and I just remember like getting them into the car at like 3 a.m. and like they kind of woke up just a little bit. It was fun. And then all of a sudden like I look back when we're getting coffee before we get on the freeway and my daughter is like wide-eyed in the back just like <laughs> I'm so excited. She fell asleep like an hour later but she was up for a long time. I fell asleep and my husband and my daughter ended up like just chatting for, you know, an hour uh while everybody else was sleeping and it was it was cute but <laughs> Yeah. In times like that it's not like you you can be like close your eyes and go to sleep. <laughs> they'll yeah. do they'll do what they do. So yeah. those are some great so, tips. So that's a good point that you bring up. So between the time of 3 to 5 a.m. sleep is actually the lightest for everyone. So okay, my up, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wake no, up no, at no. like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, it's very hard to go back to sleep. um especially once light enters you know your eyes and yeah. stuff like that so i would recommend in the future if you're taking a middle of the night car trip try to bring it earlier like maybe midnight or 2 a.m. yeah um, and not hit that lightest part of the sleep so that's my recommendation well you just taught me something absolutely new today <laughs> i will i will keep that in mind and no wonder cuz i usually if i ever wake up in the middle of the night you know because i had too much water before bed or yeah. whatever i had caffeine too late in the day because now i'm at that age where <laughs> i can't drink caffeine past like 3 p.m. you know i'll usually wake up around 3 a.m. and i thought you know it was just me but i guess that makes sense <laughs> we do have stages of sleep so i'm curious then um could you educate the audience a little bit about what those stages of sleep actually are like what you know what they're called or what we need to know about those stages so we can be more educated 
So there are two stages of sleep. There's REM, which I think everyone has heard of, and non-REM. So we're so when we sleep, we're mostly in REM. Um, and newborns, when you see, they have very, very short stages of sleep. So that's why they wake up more often. Um, whereas once you hit the four-month regression, and I say that in air quotes, it's actually when a newborn sleep is progressing more into an adult-like sleep. Um, they have adult-like mm-hmm. sleep cycles of 90 minutes or so. Um, so that's why, you know, you feel like they're waking up more often, uh, as opposed to, you know, sorry, 45 minutes to two hours is a, a sleep cycle. So sometimes they wake up at the 40 minute, 45 minute, uh, mark, sometimes the 90 minute mark. Um, and you know, they are not interested in feeding. They just awake. They don't know how to go back to sleep because ah. they don't, they're not hungry at that point. Right. Um, but a lot of parents, uh, when they wake up, they resort to feeding, um, and that's when reverse cycling happens, you know, because they're feeding at every wake up. So they're filling up on the feeds at night and then not feeding during the day and then c- kind of snowball. So that's why I seriously <laughs> wish I knew this. I'm like, really, I'm really baffled. I guess that makes so much sense. You're just kind of perpetuating this, this, this cycle. bad habit because you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm literally going to pacify yeah. with, you know, breast or bottle. That must be the thing. Yeah. That makes so exactly. much more sense. I, I read the I read the Wonder Weeks um, yeah. and like had the app and everything. And, you know, I was aware of the regressions, but I didn't realize the root of the regression, which I think knowing that information is is a game changer. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, it helps, uh, you know, people understand why it's happening. Right. And how to deal with it rather, rather than just, like you said, resorting to pacifying them, you know, with the breast or the bottle. Um, I would I would I would always tell parents, you know, try to soothe them down first or you know, that's a great time to work on independent sleep. They're not too young, you know, you know, you can do a total gradual method. You don't need to, you know, make them cry it out or anything, because that's not the only method out there. Um, just make sure that you know you're practicing. They don't have to have it down, just practicing independent sleep, and that'll get you like three, four hour stretches. And it's it, you know, you can do a night feed after three or four hours, but let's not do a night feed every 45 minutes. And that's the mistake I made um as well, and why you know I wasn't getting any sleep at that time. Um, so isn't it that, funny that, how we always get into our line of work because we made so many mistakes we don't yeah. want other people to make those mistakes exactly. and so we <laughs> we dive deep and you know become the person the support that we need for others yeah yeah it's 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 great and I wish this information was more you know out there um, I guess it is but when you're tired and exhausted and you're googling why is my baby not sleeping at 1 a.m in the morning you're not really absorbing anything that you're reading at that point of time yeah. so yeah it's good to have someone come in and tell you exactly what to do, exactly how yeah. to handle it. Um, so that that's why I really love what I'm doing right now. Yeah, well, and not to mention, like, there's probably so much information. I mean, and a lot of, um, you know, the methods that you mentioned, like, you know, there's all these, this is what I find anyway, at least when I was actively, like, you know, seeking out advice for mm-hmm. my babies at the time, all the mom groups are you know, it's great that women can support each other, but a lot of times it would just become like this argument as, a, you know, it's like what worked for one person, is it going to work for, you know, another, another baby. And, and so saying, well, you know, my daughter cried it out it was, oh, don't do that. You're going to traumatize your child for life. And it's like, it's so black and white. But what I'm hearing from you is that it is not black and white at all. It is not one size fits all. It is, you need to find the method that works for you. Let's do that together. Yeah, exactly. And you, you nailed it. 
because you know it's more gray than black and white it's easy to say hey you know what just do cry it out but not everyone you know it can be very triggering to the mom to hear that baby cry for 45 minutes or an hour or two hours or however long and if your schedule is off um, they can just cry and cry and cry and cry and that can be very triggering to to the mom right or you know even the dad so uh, you know maybe that's not the right fit for their family so you know, when I work with families, when they first sign up with me, I do like an extensive questionnaire with them. Like, how do you feel about crying? You know, how, how, you know, what is your routine for the day? What are you following? What is the schedule you're currently following? Um, And things like that, that, you know, really goes into making sure that you're structuring the day properly. Because if if you're not, you know, on a good schedule, then cry it out is not going to work. Um, if you're you're afraid of the crying, it's triggering and things like that, um, you're going to ha- lack the consistency and commitment to sleep train. And then you're going to feel like, oh, my, my baby just it doesn't work for my baby. Um, I tried uh, and then I tried again um, and things like that. But maybe that's not the right method for you. You need to go to a more gradual method. It might take yeah. three weeks as opposed to three days, but maybe that's what you need. Um, so that's where I think one on one really helps families. Well, that's awesome. I think that's very, it's very empowering because a lot of the times, you know, I think even just in the mom groups, like moms, I'll say advising uh, in a very cautious way, but like moms advising other moms, but some of that advice can end up being, you know, harmful because it Mm -hmm. really, it doesn't fit. Like I, you know, I had people tell me to, you know, try cry it out, but my son was extremely colicky I had severe depression. And when I heard him cry, it sent me into postpartum rage, like bad. And so, you know, I, and then I'm just like in the middle of the night, just crying along with my son. Cause I'm like, why won't you sleep? Yeah. And you know, he's just a baby. And you know, it's because we're so quick to just be like, nope, this is the way to do it. So I think, I think empowering moms to feel like they have, you know, some choice over how they decide to, to show up for their family and how to lead their family. And I think that's, that is a gift that, you know, you can't get from a book or Googling, uh, or, you know, Instagram posts. I think that's, that's the beauty of having someone to really walk alongside you through the process. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, before we wrap up, I would love um, for you to just tell the audience if they want to connect with you and they're listening to this and going, oh my gosh, uh, I need her in my life. <laughs> I need some sleep rehab for our family. Where can they connect with you? So uh, you can check out my, uh, you know, my story, my packages, everything online at sleepinglittlenugget.com. You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook um, at Sleeping Little Nugget as well. You can email me at Joanna at Sleeping Little Nugget. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I have a free wake window guide as well that you can download off my website, which is a good starting point, you know, before you want to see if you want to make an investment in one-on-one services. I think it's great to kind of um, get a good routine in place. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. So I don't want people putting pressure on themselves to do that. Um, kind of figure out how to, you know, make sure your baby is not overtired is my, my main, my main takeaway from this podcast, you know, so I think if you can, you, you can, you know, download the wake window guide, print it, stick it on your fridge, it'll be super helpful for you and any other caregiver who's taking care of your baby. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. And I think we I can, I'm going to link the free resource right in the show notes. We'll do that. So if you're listening to this right now, 
Uh, if you click the episode and you scroll down to see more, you can find the link directly to that resource right in the description. So that is going to be a really useful tool. And honestly, I don't wish to relive the newborn stage, but you're making me feel like if I were to ever have more kids, which is not on the table, but <laughs> you know, if that was the case, then I know exactly who to come to because yeah, I did I'm not happy to help. <laughs> yeah. I did not have um, a great experience sleep training my kids. Uh, so <laughs> goodness, I'm really, really glad to have you here and to be able to provide this knowledge to other moms who need it. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Chloe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much, Joanna, for coming on the show today. And as always, be bold, be fit. Mm-hmm.